Okay. It's Christmas time, and we read the story of the angel Gabriel's visit with Mary, soon to be the mother of Jesus. Now, you might wonder how on earth did we get to Eve's eavesdrop into this private conversation between Gabriel and Mary. Luke, who retells this story, says at the beginning of his gospel that he investigated everything from the beginning. Isn't that cool? When he set out under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us. So Luke interviewed Mary probably sometime after the resurrection. And we benefit because not only is this a fascinating part of the Christmas story, we see that God is wanting to teach us something about his gift to us, his son Jesus. God is always pointing us to Jesus because after all, he is our savior. And the whole Bible is about Jesus Christ. So though this story might be about an angel and Mary, it's, it's really about Jesus and that's what we're going to dig in. That is how God wants us to look at all scripture. Whenever we read the Bible, we should always ask first, God, what are you teaching me about you? And then God, what are you teaching me about myself? Today we're prepared for the celebration of Christmas. The 12 days to come, we're going to see that in this simple story, we learn 10 very important things about Jesus. So, let's take a look at them. Number one, Jesus is the fulfillment of Scripture. Isaiah 7.14 says the virgin will give birth to a child. And we read in this text, Mary was a virgin. Who is he? Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. All of scripture, all of history is about Jesus and he comes as the fulfiller of scripture. When you understand that truth, then the Bible becomes so clear, so comforting, so helpful, so valuable. Number two, we learn here that Jesus is fully man. He really is human. He has a mother. He was born. Luke 2 says he grew in favor and stature and wisdom with men and God. He was born and Mary held him and breastfed him and changed his diapers and blew his nose and fed him and taught him how to walk and talk and bathed him. And sometimes the picture of Jesus says he's like a man who just kind of showed up, just came out speaking, you know, memorizing Leviticus and walking around, just giving nice little truth to live by. No, no, God became a man fully. He identified with us from the womb. Through, through the birth, through the seasons of life. He was fully man. He was a man raised by Mary. Number three, not only was he fully man, he was fully God. Right in this passage, when the angel says he will be called the Son of God, that's a divine title. He's the same stuff as God, the same substance. He's the same as God the Father. Whatever God the Father is eternally and his attributes, Jesus is the same. God the Father is working in history through God the Son. And God the Son is the second member of the Trinity, becoming the man, Jesus Christ. So the Son of God, the same stuff and attributes as the Father, adds to himself humanity, takes upon himself human flesh. He didn't lose his divinity. Jesus added to it humanity and he became a man. That's what it means. 
and he comes into human history as the Son of God, accomplishing the work of the Father, the same stuff equal to the Father. Fulfillment of Scripture, fully man, fully God. Then number four, fully sovereign. We're told that his Father is the Most High God and that he is the Son of the Most High that's fully sovereign. There are, other, there are other demons that rule. There are other angels that rule. There are other religions and powers and principalities and spirits. There are false gods that have real power and some influence. But they're not the most high. They're higher than we are. But they're not the most high. God alone is the most high. And Jesus is the son of the most high. The same as the most high. So we're talking here about his preeminence and his prominence and his power, his sovereign rule. Nothing and no one is higher and more powerful than Jesus. He's our Savior. That's good news. Number five, he is a king. Mary likely never woke up, looked in the mirror and said, I'm definitely birthing a king today. The angel said that he would be great. In that day, there was a king named Herod, whose nickname was Herod the Great. Isn't that interesting? And the angel says, he's not great. Your son, he's the great one. Herod is a puppet king under Caesar Augustus, the real king. And above that, the king is the king of kings. He's coming and he's in your womb. It says that he will rule from David's throne another kingly word this goes all the way back to the davidic covenant in second samuel chapter 7 8 16 the promise was made that david would be a king but that through his family line would come the king of kings who would rule and reign over all kings and kingdoms forever so they were waiting where's the king in 1 Samuel 16, David is anointed king. It's sometime later in 2 Samuel chapter 5 that he is appointed king. And we're in that time where Jesus has been anointed king and he rules and reigns as king. He's seated on a throne, high and exalted, at the right hand of the Father, right now ruling and reigning. Jesus says, All authority has been given unto me and that he will... All, and that all will be made visible, clearly known when the king comes and establishes his throne in the new creation and his kingdom goes on forever. How this works is that Jesus is from the family line of David, possibly through his mother Mary's line, but certainly through Joseph's line. We're told clearly in the text that Joseph was from the family line of David. So when Joseph adopted Jesus, he adopted Jesus into the family line of David in fulfillment of the prophecy of 2 Samuel chapter 7, 8-16. Jesus is the King of kings and Lord of lords. Number six, we learn that Jesus is eternal. Yeah, in this passage. The angel says that he will rule and reign forever. His kingdom will never end. Jesus is eternal. He lived before his birth. He lives after his resurrection and ascension. He is eternally existing without beginning or end. He will reign forever. His kingdom has no end. That's good news for us. We've seen so many power struggles over our history as humanity. 
And at what price? Kingdoms rise and fall. There is coming a time where there will be no more power struggles because the eternal king of peace is going to reign forever. That is good news. Number seven. We hear from the angel that Jesus is powerful because nothing is impossible with God. God can do anything. How powerful is our Savior? How powerful is our King? How powerful is our God? Nothing is impossible with God. Jesus is God. Jesus is with us. God is with us, Emmanuel. That's the message of Christmas. Number eight. It says that he would be sinless. Yeah. The angel declares that Jesus would be holy. That as Adam had no earthly father and was to be the head of all humanity, when he sinned, we all inherited his corruption and his sinful nature. And then here comes Jesus, the second or last Adam, as Paul puts it. He likewise has no earthly father, and where Adam failed, Jesus succeeded. And where we were condemned in Adam, we were redeemed in Jesus because he is holy, he is sinless. And when he died, he died not for his sins, because he had none, but for our sins so that we might be forgiven. He is in fact sinless. That's super good news for us. Number nine, this little passage says he's our savior, right? Jesus, just look, his name literally means God saves. God saves us. Saves us from our sin. We're all sinners by nature, choice, thought, word, deed, omission, commission. None of us can stand before God and say, I've lived a perfect life. We're all guilty and Jesus is the one who is our Savior. He forgives us. He embraces us. He loves us. That's what he does. He is the only one who can save us. And number 10, lastly, Jesus is humble. Do you know that this announcement wasn't made to the multitudes? Just one servant woman. It wasn't made in a big town. It was made in the little town of Nazareth, in the little province of Galilee, in a little obscure country. It wasn't made to a rich woman. It was made to a poor woman. Jesus didn't grow up in a large house. He grew up in a small house. He didn't have access to the best education. He was in a small town with mainly illiterate people. Jesus didn't grow up wearing the finest clothes. He dressed simple. His stepfather wasn't a king and didn't have a significant job. His daddy was a carpenter and he helped his dad put food on the table for his family. Jesus didn't get to travel the world and have amazing experiences. He stayed pretty close to his hometown of Nazareth. Jesus was humble. The angel Gabriel came to Mary, little humble Mary. I love that. See, religion tells us, do your best, try harder, achieve more so that God will love you. And the story of Mary is different, isn't it? God looks down, has favor, gives grace to those who don't deserve it. He loves them. He embraces them. He gives meaning, right? Meaning, value, purpose to their life. He changes them because he's altogether good. That's why we love Jesus so much. So often the religious think that God is only for the good people and the great people. That's so wrong. Jesus is for everyone. The sinners, the broken, the rebels, the failures, the hard-hearted, the stiff-necked, the nobodies, 
from nowhere, the illiterate, the peasants, the poor, the outcasts, the marginalized, the weak. God chose Mary. Jesus came to Mary. And if he is humble enough to be with Mary, isn't it wonderful that he is to this day humble enough to come and be with us? That, my friends, is the awesomeness, the I can't believe it message of Christmas. He humble enough to come to be with us. That Almighty God would humbly come to save me. I cannot believe it. We celebrate this Jesus who wants to be with us, not because we are amazing, but because he is. He is the God of amazing grace. Amen. Oh,